What's up, everyone, and welcome to the very first Triathlon Mockery podcast brought to you by Joe Skipper and Tom Ostag. That's right. We went fist deep into our pockets, grabbed every last little penny in order to make this happen. So it better be worth it. This is the podcast, the experts, Joe Skipper and I, we're going to talk about everything that's got to do with triathlon, nutrition, gear, hacks, how to become an influencer, discuss race results, put some athletes in the spotlights, and uh, we're going to question certain athletes, what they're posting on the gram. We're going to bust and dust triathlon bullshit (laughs) and much more. (laughs) You're probably wondering who are the experts. Well, go on in, son. Well, first of all, I want to say, Tom, this better not just be a one-off because you've made me buy a mic, you've made me get all professional and stuff, and I don't want to waste a load of money uh, on all the gear and uh, just do one episode and that's it. So uh, anyway, enough of me rambling, but yeah, I'm a professional triathlete, been racing uh, since 2011 and uh, 33 years old, based in Norwich in the UK. That's a little bit about me. Um, not much else to say, really. Um, what about you, Tom? Well, uh, Tom Osnag, five years ago, I was overweight, 92 kilos. I was a fret boy studying international tax law and I uh, started doing triathlon in 2017. Five years ago. Five years ago. Still are, yeah, aren't you? Five- <laughs> <laughs> and right now I'm racing as a very, very competitive professional triathlete since January 2021. Well, competitive in the women's field because uh, I'm still like a raw diamond. I think in the men's field, it still needs a bit of work. And besides that, I'm a professional influencer, mate. Yeah, I definitely don't think Daniela would be able to keep up with you, mate. So if you if you wore a wig and a skirt, you would definitely be a world champion. <laughs> I know, I'd be uh, banking some coin. So if you're listening to this podcast, you might be finding yourself running a 235 marathon off the bike in an Ironman, just like Joe, or becoming a professional Instagrammer, just like me. It's going to be a challenge because English is not my first language. And however, it's Joe's first language. Half of the time, most people can't understand him anyway. So uh, I think most people are wondering like how we met. I mean, you live in the UK, I live in the Netherlands, and however, we live closer to each other than you to London. Uh, it's kind of a, a unique story, isn't it? I remember my first memory of you was when uh, Volker introduced us in Kona. I think it must have been 2018. And I just remember you having the Bitcoin logo on your uh, tricket. Exactly. Thinking, sponsored by sponsored Bitcoin. By Bitcoin, yeah. I was thinking, God, that's a bit <laughs> unique. I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> I was giving investment tips back in 2018 when you still could get on board and uh, get some decent coin off of it. But that's true. It was in uh, in Kona on the pier. And uh, I think after that, we just uh, had a chat and we were like, uh, what, do you want to go on a training camp? That's what you said. And I think uh, that was in think- 2019, though. That was the year later because I met you a year later as well. Oh, like in true. 2018, I just met you a little bit. But I, after 2019, because I did some training with you before Kona. And then afterwards, we said about going on a training camp and we went to New Zealand for like uh, four or five weeks, five weeks and did two races out there, didn't we? And I think the perfect match is probably, well, first of all, I, I, I like the banter. And second thing is, uh, I, you, you could teach me a little bit about training and racing and all that. I could teach you uh, things about the gram and how to be an influencer. And I think you've uh, upped that game a little bit. Yeah, and I've never seen anyone put away food like you. We were on the training <laughs> camp with Tom. My God, like, you go to the kitchen, he'll follow you in, and uh, he'll always eat double what you eat. He just absolutely nails it. Like, trust me, like, you've never seen anyone put food away like this boy. And you lost weight, didn't you, as well, in New Zealand? Uh, I did, I did. And the key thing uh, people might be wondering is, why should we start a podcast? Is everything we're saying so interesting that we should, like, start a podcast? Or uh, what's the deal, mate? 
Well, basically, I always talk to Tom and we always gossip and talk a load of rubbish. And my girlfriend, uh, fiance, Laura, always moans at me and says, God, you, you two speak to each other loads. And I actually said to Tom, we should do a podcast back in lockdown when nothing else was going on. And Tom was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not sure. And then about a week or 10 days ago, he said, we should do a podcast. And I said, mate, I was telling you that about a year ago, we should do one. Not not sure that anyone will actually listen to it apart from our own parents. But like <laughs> I, I said, we should do it because some of the stuff when we talk about it, we're always like, oh, this would be really interesting if you heard it on a podcast. Well, we thought yeah, it interesting be. or uh, funny or embarrassing. Yeah. But both. anything. This all sounds like uh, like everything is always going really great. And uh, I'm wondering, like, how was the week? Was it uh, y- y- you must have had some really shit things this week or. Mate, my worst part of the week that was today. When uh, my mate was meant to be coming up from Colchester, he's the one who just left. Like Tom was like, oh, God, like we're meant to be doing this podcast 15 minutes ago. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like, uh, but he um, he just left and he was meant to be coming up at about eight o'clock this morning, which is an early start for me. And I just got I remember getting woken up at about half seven by bucket and rain on the windows. I thought, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be going out in that for three and a half hours doing a run and a swim. And that was uh, that sent a, sh- sent a shiver down my spine that did. You know, I was thinking, God, what I'd do to be in Girona or Mallorca right now. Oh, definitely. And I think <laughs> um, that fits perfect to the subject of the week. This week, we're going to talk about um, off season. We're going to chat everything about off season. And I think also my low point of the week this week is that I've started my training again last week. And since I've started training again, every time I look on the weather app, it's pouring rain. It's just terrible. Uh, today, I actually had to do like three hours on the bike, but it, was, uh, it wasn't it was really uh, fun. So I decided to move it to tomorrow. And that's the uh, advantage of coming out of off season. Like you want to start things easy again. So uh, I'm already delaying the program a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> One more day of off season won't hurt, will it? You should have just gone down the pub, Tom, and had a beer and just thought, tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> well, speaking of beers, mate, um, I think we should quickly get to the race results of last week. Uh, one of the races was Ironman Mallorca, and I don't know if you've been to Mallorca. I've been there uh, when I was still a student, so I can tell you everything about the pubs, clubs, and uh, how to like pitch yourself, but um, I have no clue what the race course is like and what the race is like, so hopefully you can tell us a bit about it. Well, I know from what I've seen online about the race course, it was uh, swim was pretty standard. Two lap swim course looked pretty uh, pretty quick from what I from what I saw. Uh, obviously, wearing a wetsuit in the sea is going to be pretty buoyant, so it's definitely going to help the weaker swimmers. And then the bike, it looked all right. I actually w- was tempted to race it, but I thought it would be a draft fest because I've done some Spanish races before, and normally there's a shitload of motorbikes, and they just do not give penalties away if you like sat three meters behind the person in front. So I kind of thought, well, there's no point, but. It looked quite good because it was about 20 minutes of flat, I think. And then you had a big 550 meter climb, which looked like it split it up quite a bit. And then I guess people were in packs, small packs formed on the on the rest of the bike course. And it was a little bit undulating. And then the run course looked like it was a bit long, but not too bad. Fairly flat, bit of sand on it. Um, so pretty standard run course, really. So looking at the race results, first... Uh first out of the swim was was some swiss guy i've no um i'm not really i don't know all the pronouns yet but um the big names florian engert and hogenhardt were uh, close to like were like front pack swimmers and uh you definitely think like hogenhardt is one of the guys coming up front and I, he's did he's done some quite some good races this year so already i think he's in really good form uh, i don't know what you think have you you've raced him this year didn't you um in tulsa i raced him yeah and he was 
all right. He was fair. He had a good swim there. His bike was like all right, but he faded a bit. He faded a bit on the run. To be to be honest, like he probably wasn't too pleased with that because he's done a lot better since Tulsa. But I think because Tulsa was in May, it was like so early into the year. Well, well, like yeah, it was early into the year because obviously coming through a year of COVID, not no one's really raced an Ironman. So I think a lot of us were rusty and um, mm -hmm. like I didn't have too good a run that day. And I think a lot of us struggled on the run. Like I remember Sam Long. He had a bit of a shocker, you know, considering what he would have hoped for. But I think a lot of that was for him was because he'd raced St. George two weeks before. But Christian, he didn't have a good run for his standards. Uh, Bart Ennett's like a load of us like struggled mm -hmm. a bit. But I think that was just because a lot of them hadn't done an Ironman for 18 months. I did one in New Zealand, which, you know, with you, which was like the last Ironman before that. And that was still 14 months. And you would never normally go 14 months without having done an Ironman. So I think that was that took the shine off a bit, but first uh, tip of the podcast: just get a couple of Ironmans in, just to get the engine going again. Yeah, <laughs> like Cam Worth, who reckons that he's uh, used Mallorca this weekend as a tune-up for uh, California. Yeah, uh, crazy a like... transatlantic flight and an, and an Win Ironman as warm-up. Winner of the race was uh, I, I don't even know how to pronounce the name Chevalier. Chevalier. Leon Chevalier. He's a Chevalier. student. He's a yeah. student, mate. Like biochemical he's doing well. Smashed it, like stayed with Cam Worth on the bike. Um, Cam couldn't drop him. Hugenhag managed to stay with him. And then Leon, I watched bits of it and Leon just ran away and had, got a bit of a gap and just held it. But then it did look a bit like he could get caught towards the end because I saw him walking through an aid station with 2K to go and he had a minute and a half lead. And I thought, cool, he might get caught by Florian Anger, but he didn't. He managed to hold him off. But that's an awesome result from him. He won Emberman earlier in the year, mm -hmm. um, which is an, an amazing result. Uh, somehow like on the PTO rankings which were a big thing he only got like 75 points which if anyone follows the PTO rankings like 100 is supposed to be like the perfect time I guess if like uh, the top pro does it um, you know you get 100 points and that's like an amazing point score mm -hmm. but 75 is a terrible point score but that's what he got winning Ember Man but like this one I think he's got like 96, 97 which uh, is quite interesting to look at because it doesn't take into account where you finish in a race it just takes into account your time and how everyone else does in time and like looks at whether or not you basically obliterated a field and mm -hmm. if it thinks you like it's a good way of seeing how well people performed another big name that we haven't seen uh much of the full distance last year was good old bart bart Arnott. um like we've seen him in uh, the the us in uh, early 2021 where he had some really good results in the 70.3 he got to like seventh and he was in a group and it, it all came down to like, they lost a lot of time on the bike in, uh, in Mallorca. That's, that's not a very good time for him on the bike. Like I just had a little look, exactly. four minute, four hours, 31. Like I know some age groupers that were around the similar time to that. And like knowing how strong Bart is, I definitely don't think he'll be happy with that. Like that bike cost him. Like I think he would have normally cycled 10 minutes quicker. And if he'd have cycled 10 minutes quicker, he would have been third place. And so I, I definitely don't think he'll be too happy with that bike performance for, for his standards. Anyway, he had a great run, you know, ran 243 off the bike. Uh, looks like it was one of the fastest, like maybe second, third fastest yeah. run of the day. Um, so really good for him. But the bike just let him down and he's normally a really strong cyclist. So that's exactly he's not going to be pleased with that. Another race, um, the same weekend was seventy point. Uh, it was Challenge Mallorca. Challenge Mallorca. What about the females? What about the females? Are you going to talk the females, about? mate. We've got about females. We've also got females. Female listeners. <laughs> I've even written down some notes about it. So first in the women's field was R uh, Ruth Assel. Um, she came from the age grouper field. I think this is her first 
I Man as a pro, is it? No, no, I'm, she's I'm done a couple, sure. mate. She's oh, done a couple. Like you got oh, her first win. First win, home, mate. She's done first win. First win. She raced Florida. Actually, no, she raced Western Australia after Kona in 2019. All oh, right, that was her first one. I know she's done Florida last year, and she might have been third or fourth. She's always, always more into the females. I'm so. into the females, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into um, the female racing. It's more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, um, I mean, uh, all great run, like top three, about three hours is a good run. Um, Mathieu second and uh, Leopold third. That Kirsten uh, Leopold who got third, she just needs to sort her bike out. Like, I don't know what she does in training, but like she just loses like 15, 20 minutes. Like, I mean, I'm just having a quick look now. 4.54 she did on the she bike. Did, she, did, she didn't lose a lot of time on the bike. She lost a lot of time on the swim, mate. The swim. Seven like, minutes on the swim. Seven minutes on the swim. I mean, like, I feel her. Me. I feel her. Worse <laughs> than me. And, like, I normally get out of the water after 50 metres and have a coffee. Like, um, Yeah, when I get out of the water, all the coffee's gone. Can you imagine? <laughs> yes. Um Another race this weekend. Uh, let's first start off with the women's you, Do you think you could put her away in the swim? If you two uh, had a race, ooh, do you think you would beat her? Like, what, I'd struggle. She swam, I'd she struggle. Swam. No, she's tr- she minutes. swam one or two. I don't one swim two. one or two. Do you think you'd have done that? You'd have fancy yeah, I swam chances on that, 56. Yeah, 56. Like, so she could ask, Kirsten, if you're listening to this, just send Tom a message for some swim tips. Like, I'm sure he'll help you out. He's a, <laughs> he is a triathlon coach. I'm not a triathlon coach, so I haven't got any place to say on this, but... Tom is a triathlon coach. He's got teeth. It's all about actual, the catch, mate. He's actually got paying customers on his book. So if you want some swim tips, send him a message. He's a really helpful person. He'll definitely help you out. I could send you over some videos. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going over to the women's field in uh, Mallorca. Have the challenge Mallorca. Um, first coming in, Nicola Spiric. Um, I think she was into triathlon before my mom was even born. I think it's really impressive, like the uh, the level she's still at. Don't you think? Oh, it's amazing, and she rides on a road bike as well with clip-on TT bars, which is just like losing so much in like aerodynamics. It's like I, it's, I think it's a bit crazy, really. You know, if you're taking like seventy point threes uh, seriously, that you do that. I mean, but it works for her. I mean, she's like winning them left, right, and center. Maybe it helps her run, like she can run well afterwards. I've actually done that course before and it's fairly hilly. So to be honest, and it's a bit technical, so it's not too bad on that course, but still I think it would be quicker on a TT bike, but also she's meant to be doing the sub seven. So, or sub eight, you know, the female sub eight. So it'll be interesting to see what she does on that because she's like the speed on the bike is going to be crucial for that. And if she doesn't like, if maybe a road bike might help because you can sit closer on the wheels, but could also be a hindrance because obviously the aerodynamic drag you're going to be, especially on when you're going faster at faster speeds, it has more of an impact. So, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised she still does it. But looking at the results, it looks like the other girls were a lot closer than what they have been in other races, like Imogen Simmons, a minute and 15 down. That's what I thought. Even in uh, yeah. IMM Yorker, the full distance, if you look uh, normally the times between top 10 men and top 10 females, like if you're 10, 15 minutes down, you're out of the top five or uh, top 10 in uh, in uh, the men's field, whereas uh, the difference between men's and uh, women's field this time wasn't that, that big. I think it's because normally there's just so much difference in the strength in depth, whereas a lot of them girls are strong. Like Imogen Simmons is like a really good uh, track. She's been very Lucy consistent. Hall's decent. She's won. She, I, I, heard a, I heard that she's been on the podium every race she's done this year, which is really impressive. So obviously mm-hmm. decent. That India Lee, she's been like European, like uh, short distance champion before. So like ITU champion, so that's impressive. So like loads of them, the standard was just better. And I think normally there's just too many races and there's just not enough decent females that the court, the fields just get spread too thin. Mm-hmm. So you get someone, what some world-class female that races, 
then the others aren't on the same level and they're 15 minutes behind, you know, and it's just, there's just not the depth what there is in the men. So I don't think. And I think even for them, it makes it less fun racing. At least that's what I think. If you're going to be boring, like exactly, you know, you're like, you get time split and someone says you're eight minutes, but up and like, the next person's six minutes ahead. It's like you're just doing a TT all day, isn't it? You know, <laughs> just, you want to be racing knowing that like if you fade, you could lose a position or two. But if you keep digging in and that person fades, you could gain a position or two, don't you? No one wants to be like stuck in no man's land, do they? It's boring. Like that's not, that's the whole point of racing, isn't it? Shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> you got it. In the men's field, we've got Frederick Funk and Carter. Carter is, is, is from the US and Ditlev, Ditlev again. He's doing loads of races. I think he's doing three back to back. So he did Budva, then he did last weekend 70.3, uh, Challenge Mallorca. And then this weekend, he's doing Cascais. So, uh, and that Frederick Funk, he's been racing loads as well. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's been doing well. I hadn't even heard of Colin Chartier until he went to the Collins Cup. I think he'd been racing a lot in America, but he seems like he's been doing really well. Like he won a, he won uh Salou. Uh, that was mm -hmm. a duathlon, but he won that. It seems like he runs really well. And then um, that Frederick Funk was second to him there. And then like, he's just beaten him in this one. So it seems like them two have got like a nice little battle going, like constantly, like, you know, right. Re really close racing between the two of them. What would be fun if you were uh, really good at 70.3 as well. I mean, uh, <laughs> you could just do more 70.3s in a year, can't you? Than yeah. Ironmans. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's unbelievable how good you are at Ironmans compared to 70.3s, yeah, you'd think. Like <laughs> we'll get to that in another episode. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long story. <laughs> um, fastest run of the day was a Dutch guy coming from short distance. This was a first uh, half distance, and he ran a 108, mate. Who's that? Uh, Juri Koenen. He came in fifth. He lost a lot of time on the bike. Well, a lot of time. It was something like five minutes on the bike, four minutes. Wow. He was in the front pack in the swim, then not had re really had a great bike. And then uh, he ran 108.35. So I definitely think he's one of... Is it a legit the, distance, though, on the run? If it the might run be a accurate. bit short, but still 108 pretty fast. That is pretty fast. What did the others uh, do? Uh, Funk ran 112.5, and, and I think Ditlev and all them ran, ran around 110. All right, so it might be a little bit short. Still a good time, isn't it? It's still a good time. It's still a good time. All right, it's this weekend of what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend worry, we've guys, got I'm in California. We California. don't want to piss on their parade, do we? No, we don't. We know that's why we're going on. We're going. <laughs> I mean, I would dream of running a 108 without the swimming bike, even if it was only 19 k's. Like, I know it would still be a really good time. <laughs> This weekend, we've got Ironman California coming up with a really big field. Jan Fredino, Gustav Eden, Cam Worth again, Sanders, Ben Hoffman, Resmus Swenningsen. And we've even got a YouTube battle going on with the big Mets and Scott Bavel. So uh, uh, what do you think of the upcoming race, mate? Don't you think this would have been an Ironman that would have been something for you? But to be honest, I'm looking more forward to the YouTube battle going ahead. Really, that, that's what it's about now, <laughs> isn't it? Like even Gustav's got on the YouTube. Like that's the it doesn't even matter how good you are at racing now. If you want to get sponsors, all that matters is that you do an Instagram post every other day at least. If you can do that, you've made it in triathlon. I know it's crazy, ain't it? You need to get like on a podcast. You need to get start a YouTube channel. Get in there. Yeah, it's Scott Bavel going in with the with the big hitters. <laughs> yeah, his mum's one of my biggest fans. 
Really? I get messages after all the races, like, good luck, you know, before a race. Well done, Joe. I was watching it all the time, you know, all the way from South Africa. Never met me in person. They're one of my biggest fans. They're well, up there with my the own fans, parents, mate. they are. Got to appreciate the fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think of the, um, like, California? How do you think it's going to unfold this weekend? I think it's a downstream swim, so I think uh, it's going to be really close for everyone getting up the water. It's, like, it's going to be similar to Chattanooga from what I've heard. Um like swim-wise. So I think Jan might have a lead, but there'll be a few people with him. I think Gustav will probably be with him. Like I had Gustav say that he thinks that Jan's going to have a bit of a, a gap getting out of the water. But on a downstream swim, I can't see that happening because from my experience of racing it, I've only done one and that was in Chattanooga. It was extremely fast and like it made it so hard for people to really pull away. And a lot of people uh, get can get in a pack that wouldn't normally be there. And I think Gustav's a really good swimmer anyway. I mean, like his swimming, like the Collins Cup was only... 30 to 40, 30 seconds, I think, or 25 seconds slower than Jan's. I don't, I think he'll swim with Jan or very close within 30 or 40 seconds. Then on the bike, I think he's going to want to close that gap pretty soon. Like, and I think Sanders in Chattanooga, Sanders let us go, like me and Sam. And I think Sanders, sorry, he needs to um, go for it on the bike at the start and keep with Gustav and try and work together or get up to the front as soon as possible. If Sanders wants to try and win it, which I think surely he's got to want to try and get on the podium or try and win it because he's qualified for Kona. He wasn't going to do the race until recently. Like I remember speaking to him after Chattanooga and he said, no, I'm done, I'm done, I'm not doing any. So he's obviously felt pretty good in training and thought There's, the world champs are six months time. I've got ages, you know, or six or seven months, I think, till St. George world champs. So he's got absolutely ages. It doesn't matter if he's a bit smashed after this race because he could take three weeks off and he's still got a decent amount of time to build up. So I think he's obviously felt pretty good in training and he's got to try and be a bit more aggressive on the bike. Like in Chattanooga, he let us get away too much that he left too much to do on the run. Like as long as we run fairly solid and didn't blow up, he wasn't going to win the race. So I think he needs to try a different tactic and go for it on the bike. And I think if that works, that's what he's got to do in St. George World Champs next year. You know, like, he can't mm -hmm. afford to let people go on the bike, and the bike should be his strength. You know, he's done the Canadian Hour record holder. He should have the confidence, and he should just get stuck in. But anyway, with just how I think it it's going to go, I think Gustav's going to catch Jan. Uh, Rasmus Svenningsen, he's been riding really well. I think he could catch them, and he's definitely going to try and go off the front. I think if Gustav wants to win it, he needs to go off the front with Rasmus Svenningsen. He's going to outrun Rasmus probably, unless he blows up because he hasn't done one before. But I think he's surely going to practice his nutrition and training and he's going to have an idea of what to do. You know, it's not hard, you know, pretty much just eat 90, 100 grams of carbs an hour. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You're going to be pretty much ballpark. <laughs> like as long as you <laughs> do that, there's on the internet, you just do a quick Google. Um, how, how do I get the carbs in? Well, I'm really, I've been practicing as a student, getting the, the beers in and, um, Carbs is king. I don't believe in eating an avocado on the bike is going to get you uh, going, but uh, it, it wouldn't work for me. But, it does work for, I think, Jan from Burkholt, but uh, and YouTuber yeah. Scott Bayville. Oh, no, it didn't work for Scott Bayville. It didn't work for Scott. No, he's gone back to carbs. But going back to that race, I think Gustav needs to go with Rasmus because Rasmus is going to try and drop them, and they need to get away from Jan on the bike or pre put pressure on him. You need to put pressure on him on the bike. Then on the run... Anything can happen. Jan's obviously got the experience, but he hasn't run under 240 too many times. Gustav, very quick over the 70.3 distance, in form. Definitely got the potential to run under 240, but sometimes people go a bit quick or they blow up because they're not used to it to start off with. But I think if he can isolate Jan or drop Jan on the bike, it plays into his hands. I think he's definitely got to go like that. Ben Hoffman, I think similar to uh, 
you know, Lionel. He needs to just get stuck in. His best hope is to hope that it's a fast, that it's a pretty fast bike course and gaps don't appear and that he can stay in the group. If he can stay in the group with everyone like Jan and he makes it to the run with them and he can run like he did in Florida that year when he ran 2.36, nearly caught me, but had an awesome run. If he can do that form on the run and get off the bike with the others, he could win it, you know, Mm -hmm, but he needs to make sure that he stays in contention. Ideally for him, he needs a big pack on the bike. I think with a lot of good guys like that racing, it's going to suit people like him more because it's going to make it easier to stay in contention. Whereas when Mm -hmm. you just have a few good guys, everyone can be in ones and twos. And then it's more of like, you know, a strongest man for himself. But when you've got seven people in a pace line sitting on the back, you might only be pushing 200 watts. Person on the front's doing 350. It's a completely different ballgame. We're going to see how this weekend's going to unfold. I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm not sure whether there's going to be a live stream. I think there will be, right? Oh, there's definitely a live stream. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Like, All right. So I know what I'm going to do. So this week, the main subject of the week is going to be off-season. Joe, I think um, this is a great one. Uh, You had a lot of pros asking you about how they should train and all that, and I had a lot of age groupers. So uh, I think off-season is the best way to uh, start it off with, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, So what what are you doing in your off-season? You were doing apples, weren't you? So here's a little little side business on the, uh, uh, you know, uh, as well as his triathlon, he was... uh, Making apple juice. Yeah, since since I'm not really uh, getting in the price money yet, I need to get some coin in, don't I? So I've got a company with my brothers. It's only seasonal work. So we start in September, basically, and it ends in October. It's only in the weekends. We've been pretty busy. We're indeed making apple juice. Uh, sounds quite funny, but it's really awesome. I actually wanted to race Ironman South Africa, uh, but after I raced Ironman Switzerland, I just felt mega fatigued, and uh, I even got sick for uh, for. I wasn't really sick; I was just really tired and a bit sick for uh, like two weeks. And then I was like, "All right, it's not going to make any sense because I couldn't do any session on the weekend because we started off at like six a.m. and we were finished at 10, uh, 10 p.m. So I couldn't do any session. And on Monday and Tuesday, I was pretty much fucked from all the work because I was carrying so much apples the whole weekend. So it's just I was like, "This is going to be my off season." I and to be honest, um, I didn't really do anything for three weeks. I've biked a little bit and ran whenever I felt like it, but I haven't been running and biking for two weeks. I have been swimming every week in the off season though because I need it. Um, I feel really sorry for you after listening to that. It's like a little yeah, sob story that was. Like, it is. It was really, really like heartwarming. You know? I was in the gutter. It really got to my heart that listening to that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was definitely in the gutter. I, I, I would have. <laughs> I actually wanted to race Ironman South Africa and then spend like a real off season somewhere in the Caribbean or whatever, drinking some uh, pina coladas. And your but, um, your race in South Africa could have been like lightning, you know. Forget Gustav versus Jan; it would have been Tom <laughs> versus Mikael de Wild, wouldn't it? Like the rematch of Galveston seventy point three, wouldn't it? Uh, you that know, would have was, been a real a real big battle. That would have been the one that I'd have been looking forward. Ironman to. would have got their uh, live feed out for that one. Yeah. Well, you, I think. Um, off season really depends on like how you feel and what you want. Like for you, for example, you started off training pretty quickly. Yeah, my off season wasn't too long this year, like in other years. But normally in other years, I've got to the end of the season and I felt totally, you know, I've raced until I've like felt terrible, you know, or like I've been really depleted. You know, I've got to the last race and I felt totally smashed, you know, and I've just not had any motivation. I think like knowing how long to take for the off season sometimes comes down to how your mental state is. You know, like if you feel like you've got no motivation, 
you're not even that bothered about training. I think it's a pretty clear sign that you're pretty fatigued because that's one of the factors, isn't it, of seeing overtraining. Obviously, like mm-hmm. you might not have overtrained, but you might have overraced and you've trained really hard for it. And then you've got that last race out the way and then you're feeling all that the effects of the whole build up for it. And so in other years, I've taken like three weeks of like literally doing like nothing and then a week really easy and then gradually building up. And before I've got back into full training, it's been like five weeks, you know, or something like that. But it's just because I've needed it. But even after Chattanooga this year, I, I didn't even feel bad. And I honestly felt like I could have raced South, uh, could have raced California, you know, and I, I, I did say before the race, that I wasn't going to do any more, but afterwards I did feel great. But then I kind of didn't, not because I felt, fatigued but just because i thought that will be my sixth ironman in six months which is just you know it's a bit crazy and like although i didn't feel fatigued at the time i just didn't think it would be a sensible thing going ahead for next year you know like i think at Mm -hmm. some point you're going to feel that and i didn't want to have a bad year you know next year and then think back to oh what did i do in like 2021 it's like oh yeah you did six ironmans in six months you know it's like pretty clear like that's the reason why you're probably feeling it so i thought look quit while you're ahead you had a good race at the end of the year just take a bit of time off but we're doing a bit of work on the kitchen so like got no kitchen in the house at the moment and we started really early this year i think we started off in like february in dubai um so for example i really struggled in september with the motivation i felt really tired and that's what after like two weeks and a bit of sickness i thought i'm just going to call it off season and what I do is when I feel like I want to like train again and really train before training with a structured program, but really finding fun in what you're doing, that is for me the the key factor that you know that you're kind of recovered and you're ready to go again because it's especially the the mental impact of getting ready for hard sessions and consistent training and getting back to the schedule schedule, isn't it? Yeah, and that's exactly what I felt like. But I was really like looking forward to getting back in just after a week, ten days. But I started training again after like two weeks. But I've knocked the vol- the volumes a lot lower than what it was. Similar plant structure to what I was doing, but instead my longest ride at the moment is like three, three and a half hours instead of like five and a half, you know. And like that's across the board. So I'm doing a lot less hours. I'm probably doing like eight or nine hours a week less than what I was doing, which is a decent amount, you know. Say like thirty percent less. So it's similar. The sessions aren't as intense. Like Tuesday, I was doing like threshold or above threshold efforts on the run off the bike. I'm only doing tempo now. So it's the intensity is a bit less. I'm just building up gradually. So it's a but, lot. But you got you got back to doing. So you did basically. I thought. I think it was something like one week off, wasn't it? Whereas still in that week off, you did whatever you like. So you did a bit of run. Swim, I did a bit bike. of stuff, mate. I did a bit of training. <laughs> like you sound like uh, you sound like Laura saying like she's been saying but, I haven't had enough time off. And then uh, you got back to training, and I think pretty quickly you started back doing uh, a laps on the track and all oh, that. Oh yeah, doing you? laps on the track, but they're just threshold efforts. Like you know, it's not. Oh, really I can't be. Like... So yesterday it was. Um, I went over to the pool, did a swim, and then I walked past the mirror, and then I saw my old friend again. So I had like three. I think maybe even almost four weeks off. I wouldn't say off, but like literally almost nothing. Probably heavier than me did, now, aren't you? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did some eating and there I saw this uh, mozzarella, little mozzarella belly uh, coming back. So back in the days, my mates called me mozzarella because I was 92 kilos. It was a big white belly and it got a little bit sweaty. And it's basically just like a mozzarella. But you enjoyed life. You just enjoyed the I finer enjoyed things. I enjoyed life. I never regret. Yeah, yeah. 
Never right. regret any single thing of it. So right now I still I, I I have my little belly back. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's a little you bit. Enjoyed so the finer things. Didn't I you? even did. I did a run yesterday, and I think I ran something like four forty k pace, and my heart rate was this almost the same as what I averaged out at Ironman Switzerland. So you need to really enjoy getting back into it and accept the fact that the you, good thing is he's I wouldn't hit, call he's, it lost all the fitness. But. You're going to be hitting PBs every week. So that is going to be motivating in itself, isn't it? Like that, all the way that, till Christmas, you'll be hitting PBs and you won't even need to go under four minutes for a K. Exactly. That's how you need to see it. Well, um, I definitely think that's, um, I mean, you don't want to lose the fitness, but that's what go- what's going to happen if you stop training for two, three weeks. I mean, it will come back pretty quickly, but um, that feeling of starting that run again, and you'll be like, oof, I'm breathing through my ass, and I'm, I'm not even running fast. I couldn't even be thinking about doing a threshold session right now. <laughs> come to Norwich, what? mate, and we'll get you into it. We'll get you into the swing of things. Well, especially, I mean, when you get back to consistent training, you gradually will get the motivation back. But for now, uh, I think um, uh, when I up my game, started swimming with a uh, swim club. Um, that swim club, I'm swimming between kids 12 to 15, 16 years old, and they're swimming really flipping fast. So I get my ass kicked in the pool every day as well for another mental hit. Um, but I th- I think you you kind of need to like enjoy getting back into it and and definitely um, yeah accept the fact that you lost a bit of fitness. But I need still need to find motivation to get like on the train and do VO two max session. Like I told you the other day, it was pouring rain outside and I wanted to do a three hour ride on the trainer, and I'm not really mentally ready for that yet. Trying to like hook but... me into doing it, aren't you? I'm like, no, mate. The weather's not bad enough for me to go on. For yeah. yeah, I'm fine going on the. Yeah, road you're talking about the UK every week, like it's Spain, like oh no, degrees. it's sunny, twenty, mate, it's 20 degrees. degrees, and every time I I look on my weather app, it says something different about the UK and Ireland. I don't believe the guys overseas. Yes, mate. It was like nice and sunny today. It started off terrible weather, and I was dreading it, and it ended up getting blue skies, mate. It was, you know, I timed it just right. I was just so lucky. The gods were watching me. Really, well, it's different in the Netherlands than the. Uh, and the funny thing was, over the last four weeks, throughout the week, it was raining, cold, and then in the weekends, it started off sunny, twenty degrees, and I was busy with the apples, so uh, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't have the wind in my back over the last couple of days. Um, another question, Joe, why do you think, uh, people should have off season if they're feeling well? So if you don't struggle with mental motivation and you don't feel really fatigued from racing, do you then, would you then say, all right, just go on, train on, doesn't really matter. Or would you say mandatory off season because the mental impact is bigger than you think? Um, Depends how much they're training. Like if they're only like doing like eight, ten hours a week, I'd probably say you don't really need to. You know, you could just not <laughs> <laughs> you could just like knock I don't know, maybe if you want to like tops, just knock the intensity down for like a week or ten days, you know, and just don't do any hard sessions and then just crack back into it. The thing is if you're only doing eight to ten hours training a week, you're not actually putting that much volume in that you probably don't need one. If you mentally don't feel like you need one, to be honest, I'd be just inclined to just say crack on with it, you know. You just, if you take two weeks off and you're only training that much, you're going to lose a lot of fitness and you're not even, you're not uh, going to be... barely have any. Yeah, you're not going to, yeah, exactly. You're not going to be <laughs> depleted physically. Mentally, you're already not feeling bad. And then it's going to be so hard to get it because get track, get the fitness back because you're not training that much anyway. Um, I would probably just, you know, say crack on with it, you know, if that's, if that's how you feel. 
but if you wanted to be uh, like err on the side of caution you know just take like 10 days two weeks tops like where you still train a bit but just knock the intensity down maybe don't do any harder sessions and then get the heart start getting the intensity back after two weeks and you'd definitely be fine if you're if you're training a lot and you uh, that like you know you train over 20 hours a week then i'd probably say you should definitely at least take like a week or 10 days off where you don't follow a structured plan and just see what you feel like if you feel like you want to go out for a run do it if you don't then don't you know just take the pressure off following a plan and uh you know go out for for, for some nights out if you want and don't wake don't set an alarm don't wake up early and just play it by ear but that's the most that's what i that's what i would say anyway i know mean, some people some coaches say everyone needs an off season i think it's like totally individual and depends on how you feel and how much you're training in the first two two and a half years i started off doing triathlon i didn't have any off season I, indeed i just cracked on yeah exactly and you're fine aren't you? um, i mean look how you've turned out Oh yeah, but maybe right now it's all coming together. Like all the all the fatigue is coming out, mate. But the advice is look in the mirror and say, stop being a wimp and get on with training. Exactly. Just take a hard look at yourself and say, where do I want to get to? Is taking two weeks off and eating and drinking loads and not doing the training going to get me there? And if you think, if the answer is yes, then that's Go fine. On. You deserve that off season. If you think, not sure, then. I want to you go know, to Kona. You know what to do. You, you know, know. If you, you know, you know. If you know, you know. Exactly. All right. If we, we're talking about, you know, you know. Uh, last week, uh, I've read something on the internet. And uh, normally we have, like, calls on the phone. And uh, we always boss bullshit, don't we? So, yeah, we do. That's why we uh, started. We hear things and then you'll be like, oof, that's the biggest bit of bullshit I've ever uh, heard. What have you heard then? Well, last week I read something and I'm really curious what your opinion is. It said something like more training is not necessarily going to be uh, make me a better athlete. Oh, you know like- that kind of stuff uh, winds me up. Like that is the <laughs> biggest load of bollocks I've ever heard. Like more training doesn't make me quicker, you know, whatever. Like it's just people that write articles, magazines to sell stuff because I've never heard anyone who's done who uh is any good saying doing more training doesn't make you you know quicker you need to do less you need to do less i mean obviously if you're like overtraining, then yeah totally but like you know you get people that are like doing eight hours a week and then they read something that says more training is going to make you you know doing less training is going to make you quicker it's just total garbage isn't it you know they can't really go back to five hours or three hours what was it what was the whole thing what did it say like uh what was the jet did you read it uh, I, I it kind of stopped after uh, halfway, but it was it it, it meant like um, so obviously if you're training forty hours a week, upping it to sixty is not really going to make you a better athlete. Like fair point, but I think if you're an age grouper and you train about ten hours a week, more training is definitely going to be make you a better athlete. Like more base hours, whatever, it's definitely going to make you a better athlete. But if I you're mean, training, th- it's like basically saying to someone, isn't it? Like you know do more revision isn't going to get you any going to get you a better exam result like you know people that want to i would have loved if the um if um the teacher would have told me that in university i mean i would i I need like pencils down let's grab some beers more studying it's not going to help me get better grades i mean if someone told me that uni i would have definitely bought into it because i hated revising anyway or a levels you know i would have bought into it but i would have known it was bullshit but i'd have been like i'm just going to kid myself and believe that doing more revision isn't going to get me better results because because I don't like it anyway. So if you don't like training, then yeah, you're going to be over the moon that someone's told you like doing more isn't going to make you faster because that's what you want to hear, isn't it? You know, but you can't surely believe if you're only doing, you know, minimal amounts anyway, that that's, uh, that's true. Well, 
What about these adverts then that say uh, something like uh, doing Ironman and only eight hours a week of training, something like that? You've you've seen those, those oh, ads Oh, yeah, I've seen around. them. You could get away with it. To be honest, I think you could finish an Ironman on like eight hours of training. It wouldn't be pretty, but I think you could definitely get around it. You know, consistent you eight do hours. Consistent but I think it's hours. always an advertisement with someone doing like top nine, really competitive, be a really competitive athlete with only eight hours of training a week. But I think if you did five days of training a week and you trained an hour and a half each day, you could be pretty bloody good. Like if you uh, trained right, you know, imagine if you got on the bike, you had an hour and a half, you did a 10 minute warm up and you just did one of your sessions, you just busted out like two 40 minute efforts with five minutes in between, you know, 10 sweet spot, boom, five minute cool down. Like that's a pretty decent session. True, but the thing um, that you're missing because they're not doing a lot of training and this is what I've sensed in my experience, um, they don't recover that well from the sessions. They feel just really tired, really fatigued, and they can't do back-to-back really hard sessions. A classic Joe Skipper training camp is you go on a camp with him and he does so much volume and intensity in the first couple of days that everybody's smoked on day five of the training camp. So (laughs) I'm always like, after day five, I'm like, oh, Joe, I can't do this session. Mate, you I, actually think that's true? You sound like Sam Proctor. Like that's what he said. No, I, I honestly, I honestly think because I don't have that many years of experience, I still need to like get into it and up the volumes. Two years ago, or one and a half years ago, I, I needed to recover from a uh, three-week block only doing twenty hours a week. So, um, if you're saying to an age grouper, eight hours a week or five hours a week, but just a lot of intensity, I don't think they'll recover from it. We should be a bit. It should be like fantasy football where we both pick an age grouper. Yeah, you know, a starting point. Like you have one, and I'll that have would be one. Fun, be like it? football manager, you know, where you're on your computer and you have to like give them the training sessions. The and age stuff. group manager. Yeah, age group manager. Like you have one, I'll have one. You've got to get them at the same starting point. We've got, you know, so you can't cheat. You can't get someone who's no, like. No, we we need no like two experience. athletes with the same FTP and like run and, yeah, and swim same stats. background in sport. Tom will coach one. I'll coach one. You can't do more than eight hours a week. We want to consistently coach you for eight hours a week, and we'll see if we can get you a sub nine. I think before February, <laughs> your age group is we'll totally smoked. Kona off, off eight hours. <laughs> age group manager. <laughs> that would be really good fun uh, doing an I'm age not group a, manager. I'm not a triathlon coach, so if you get injured, then uh, I'm, I'm not responsible. It was Tom's idea. That's uh, it's going to be fun anyway. Joe, we're getting to the last uh, topic, and I think you've got you've got someone, haven't you? Oh, Instagram post of the week. So we, we're going to have a little gander through internet and, you know, Instagram, because we always have a little look and we always have a little joke to ourselves. We're going to pick out the Instagram post of the week, one that catches our eye for, for any kind of reason, not, you know, uh, but just something that catches our eye in the track. It could be world. something funny. It could be a pretty girl. It could be a great bike. We, we, we aren't yeah. really sure what it is yet, but we've got something or someone for this week. We and... know this one. Like this is, this is a funny one to get us started. I think it's funny anyway. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Like go on, you sit, well, I'm you curious. start us off. Who you, is it? You came, you came up with something. Cut. So good. Uh, a, fr- a friend of ours, like Noel Mulkey. Like I met him in Ironman Tulsa, stayed around his house. Like he offered me uh, a homestay for the race. Like, completely out of the blue offered it to us and his mum and dad were absolutely fantastic like great hosts and he's a really nice guy he came to um Bont Rameau actually with me for two weeks did some training and then we talked him into racing i a short version mate short version the short version Noel Mulkey Instagram <laughs> post of the week he gets sponsored by Quintana Roo and his launch post is Cardi B WAP unfiltered no radio edit for this one the full on like WAP song so if you don't what? know it what, right. what what so he posted up a picture of him saying like all right new uh, sponsor brand day or what 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 was it like 
basically just is launched, you know, a few pictures like with the bike, you know, all that standard stuff, what triathletes do. And it just had a song over the top, WAP, which is uh, Wet Ass Pussies. That's what the song's called. <laughs> <laughs> and basically it was that through the speakers and he got told off, didn't he? Uh, they just said, you know, like, I think they said, this isn't where our brand wants to go, you know, I mean... Well, I mean, like, if anyone doesn't know, but, should, 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 should we just read, like, a, a line from from it, you know, just so some people what, can get the gist, or or what should we just tell he, them to he's a uh, He's a TikTok sensation, and I think the world on TikTok is different than most companies 900, think. 900,000 followers on TikTok, the yeah, world just wasn't ready for uh, His audience is probably something like 15-year-old ladies. Um, I don't... I, I, I'm Let me just sure. read a line from the song. I've got like I've I've got it up now, and it's, I find it so funny. Like that the, you post. I mean, you just imagine you're like Quintana Roo. Noel Mulkey's our thing. We'll share his thing, and it's like one of the lines is, "I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass pussy. Make that pullout game weak." <laughs> <laughs> Do you think um, how many how many people were listening to that, and they were like, "All right, I need to get like a a Quintana Roo." because probably, of them they probably thought it's uh that it's a tune didn't they you know i, yeah. I, I imagine like his uh followers loved it um but you know uh, he is funny he's a nice guy and uh he it's just a trending song in his eyes you know it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was it was just uh in in the media and he just posted up you know but these kids these days I think it's uh, it's really funny, and I think it's a nice uh, thing to end uh, end the week uh, with, uh, Joe. Um, I'm uh, really curious how this thing is going to unfold. Um, how many listeners do you think we're going to have? I think if we beat 15, we've probably we've uh, we've exceeded what uh, our expectations, haven't we? All right, needs a bit of editing though. Uh, if I look at this right now, we'll send it over to the family apps. All right, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll probably be back next week. We'll be back next week. Every Thursday, we'll uh, try to get one up, and uh, we'll see how it goes.